The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. Proudly made in the USA, customizable SeaDeck no-skid traction is non-absorbent, closed-cell EVA specifically formulated for the marine industry. For a free sample and more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm the one-time Waco Award winner, Dan Lomano, recording this portion of today's podcast from my boathouse studio here in Windermere, Florida, and it's a beautiful day in December, and now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Borden.com, Footin.com, and Waterskin.com. Join the largest community for water sports professionals and enthusiasts. Now you can find the perfect shred session near you. Whether you just want to dip your feet in for an hour or plan a multi-day event with 10 plus people, the all-brand Sessions web app will make it easy to get out on the water. Search and discover local rippers around you or meet new friends all around the world. There's so much going on through these all-new online communities and the Golden Mike podcast. Myself, Dan of the Mano, stoked to be working with Borden, Footin, and Waterskin.com. Hop online and check it all out for yourselves. Well, happy holidays, everybody. And again, I must thank you all for tuning in to the final episode of the year, number 85. It's been an awesome year. The support from you, the listeners, and the sponsors of the show has been unreal. I was able to knock out a few extra shows this year, traveled around the world, and on a handful of occasions, I've uh, been able to swag you all out courtesy of the radical supporters of this podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast in real time, which hopefully most of you guys are, you should know that you only have a few more days to sign up for the Golden Mike Podcast virtual holiday swag toss that we're doing through Facebook. Last year was huge. This year's is much bigger. I'll talk more about that after I tell you about today's guest. He is the first brand ambassador for Waterskiing.com, one of the Golden Mike podcast newest supporters. Uh, he also has his own Toad Water Sports and Lifestyle web series. And he is the Toad Water Sports Industries only other consistently released audio podcast on iTunes. West Coast Slalom Shredmaster Marcus Brown is my guest today. Marcus Brown is an outside-the-box dude. I met him years ago when I was traveling around with Step Up Productions. Uh, we were at the Supercross races. He was out there uh, doing a little tour of his own. He does come from a super competitive slalom ski background, 
But after an injury occurred, I believe it was around 2011, we're going to be talking uh, about that in this episode of the podcast. Uh, after 2011, Marcus uh, kind of broke away from the competitive scene. I mean, he's still around, but he's not actually competing. Now Marcus is capturing the essence of skiing and the lifestyle around it. And that's become his main focus. You know, Marcus and I, we really click well and we always have. We both have strong feelings on skiing and how to maybe gain more exposure in a not-so-traditional way. I do think this is a good one to end the year on, and to be honest, even if you're not that interested in skiing, well, I'd listen to this one. Marcus has been around a long time. He knows a lot of the wakeboard community. Uh, He competed in slalom skiing when wakeboarding and slalom skiing were uh, basically uh, at the same event back in the Pro Tour days. Um, Marcus knows guys like like P- PB, Parks Bonifay, and, uh, and, and so many more. Scott Byerly and him do so many boat shows together over the years. Uh, he's a great part of the community, and uh, I'm really, really excited for this one. Marcus and I were in Austin, Texas, working with Footin.com, Brent Payne and Keith St. Ange and their crew. Uh, We were part of that Austin Barefoot Club Damn to Damn race. I talked about that in previous episodes of the Golden Mike podcast. Marcus was out there filming and editing. He put out a really, really well done edit on Facebook and YouTube. You guys can scope that out by checking out footin.com on Facebook. I hosted the live webcast for an hour plus out there that early morning in Texas. But most importantly, we connected to record this episode. He also recorded me for his Flow Point podcast. I haven't heard it yet, so I, I, I was there. We had fun. We talked a lot of smack, so uh, hopefully we'll see that surface at some point real soon. Anyways, I did want to get back to this year's holiday virtual swag toss. All the details are on Facebook, so be sure that you guys sign up right away. You only have a few more days if you're listening right here uh, on the day that this episode came out. The official drawing will be live on Facebook this Saturday, December 23rd. I'm giving away 30 mystery prize packs, four of which will include a gold yo-yo indicating that you have won one of the four grand prizes. One of those grand prizes includes a Conley slalom ski setup with a front boot and a rear toe plate, Conley uh, hat and t-shirt, C4 belt, Woodrow's 200 pounds of lead wake, the original wake ballast, of course, Perf Ski, Performance Ski and Surf, hooked us up with some autographed uh, Sean Murray t-shirts. That's also going to be in that uh, grand prize prize pack. Also, the other grand prize prize packs include a C4 belt, pair of Woodrow's, a Go Puck, 50 pounds of lead wake, an O'Brien prize pack inside, uh, as well as another autographed shirt from Sean Murray. So many awesome sponsors hooking us up this year for the virtual holiday swag toss. Of course, there's going to be some Golden Mike podcast giveaways in there stickers magnets buttons i got some hats rockstar energy hooked me up with a hat and a shirt cdac sent a full box of swag conley that big water ski as well as some other swag boulder boat swag they sent us t-shirts and hats and pop sockets performance ski and surf c4 belts o'brien woodrow's go puck Ledwake, there's so much awesome stuff, you guys. So uh, make sure that you sign up right away over there on the Golden Mike Podcast Facebook page. Also, folks talking about those Golden Mike Podcast hats, they're dad hats, and it's not too late to order that last minute 
holiday gift probably won't arrive until after Christmas, but hey, that's okay. Message me over there on Facebook or goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. I'll shoot you over some photos if you guys are interested. Pick up one of those hats. Uh, Every one of those sales helps support the Golden Mike Podcast. Before I do move on any further, the Golden Mike Podcast is brought to you for free twice monthly on the first and third Wednesday of every month. Find us and listen on demand anytime, wherever it is that you do your podcast listening online at noiseofthenorth.com. We're now available on SoundCloud. Also, the Golden Mike podcast is on iTunes and the podcast app. Every episode is available, so be sure to search the Golden Mike podcast right there on iTunes. Once you find us, hit subscribe, then click the middle button, rate and review the show. If you have an Android device, you can download just about any podcast app right there. Once you're there, search the Golden Mike podcast, subscribe and listen there as well. Email me if you have any issues. To keep this podcast no charge to you, the listener, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show. SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow, Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Footin.com, GoPuck, Rockstar Energy, C4 Belts, Conley, Ledwake, Ronix, O'Brien, Slingshot, Waterskiing.com and Borden.com. Follow me on social media, Instagram at Dano T. Mano, on Twitter at the Dano T. Mano, and at the Golden underscore Mike. And be sure to like the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook. Reach me through email, Golden Mike at noiseofthenorth.com. All right, all right. My special guest is Marcus Brown, and I'll be right back with him after a quick word. So let's get it right here on the Golden Mike Podcast, baby. Oh, yeah. Hey, Golden Mike Podcast listeners, get your boat looking brand new this summer with some custom Sea Deck non-skid traction. On your boat, in your boat, on the dock, or anywhere normally prone to slippery surfaces, even paddle boards and wake surfers. Sea Deck has a growing network of certified fabricators and installers covering the USA, Canada, Europe, and the South Pacific, and now it's easier than ever to have a Sea Deck professional take your project from start to finish. Go to SeaDeck.com, hit the custom button on the website, and look for the interactive map to locate a SeaDeck certified fabricator or installer in your area to schedule an appointment today. Presented by SeaDeck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. Hey, so for, for those of you guys maybe not familiar with Marcus, Marcus is the water skier with the gnarliest of gnarly dreads and uh pretty much um i I don't think it's what defines you but it's definitely one of the things that i think people um will basically uh kind of recognize you with and associate you with so i'm I'm sure you get it all the time but but what's the story because i know you're you're not really you're not i mean you live a healthy lifestyle and you you like to go to the mountains and stuff but you're not like a hippie so so where did the where did the dreads come from i mean Yes and no. Like I don't, you know, I don't burn incense and, you know, do yoga every morning or evening, but I do think that, uh, okay. So the dreads. So part of it was kind of a bet between me and my nephew. This is about 10 and a half years ago. We're both like, Hey man, you want to, you want to try to try to start dreads? 
I'd seen it before, you know, like back in the day. I think Parks actually had dreads for a while. Sure he did. So I was yeah, like, man, you know, nobody's really doing it. Let's see if we can do this and let's see who can do it the longest. My nephew, of course, still 10 and a half years later, he's got his dreads. I've, I've got my dreads. But it was kind of cool because it's become a social experiment. Because like you said, I, you know, I don't really fit the the bill of like what you would imagine somebody who's got not to not to stereotype but i don't feel like people know who i am just by looking at me well you're and not rastafarian yeah exactly i don't even really subscribe to or know what that is if you're rastafarian like i know some of the t- general tenants but yeah so i don't want to diss anybody or anybody's you know way of thinking or way of reason for doing things but i just wanted to try dreads and now i'm kind of stuck with them because not stuck, but people recognize me. It's like the first point of contact. If somebody sees me across the lake or in a boat, well, it's happened hundreds of times in, in the last couple of years where... It's happened 10 times in the day, today alone. <laughs> I know, dude. It's pretty funny, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can deal with the dreads. Now I'm kind of at the point where I could just as soon leave them and go back to being normal. But it's kind of cool because it's a branding piece and people recognize me. And uh, it's not about me necessarily. It's about starting the conversation because i think as humans i mean this gets pretty deep i don't know how deep you want to go but as deep as you want to get marcus but as human beings i think we're all so much more compartmentalized than we used to be 10 20 30 years ago 50 years ago we all have our own piece of property we all do our own things we all have our own you know instagram handles we all have our own snapchat accounts everybody's kind of like pulling in and this makes people kind of reach out like, hey, you're are you that guy? You're the water skier? And now the conversation started. And that's kind of what I enjoy about it. You know, you, you look at you and, and you're, a, you're a traditional slalom skier. Of course, I feel um, like over the past half decade plus, um, you're not necessarily as much pushing the straight traditional three event slalom course style that maybe uh, that that you know was such a big part of your life in the old days but um but talk a little bit about uh, about like your views kind of and and because i've always been kind of a guy trying to try and i grew up show skiing and i always tried to push like hey you don't have to be winning contests you don't have to be this elite skier to have a place as a skier i, I moved down to florida because i wanted to get like photos taken of me and i wanted to like have people see that hey look i I don't have the same skills that some of these other guys have, but at the same time, there's something about what I do on the water that attracts people or whatever. So like, what is it, what is it that, that you do? I don't know, man. I think I'm still trying to figure it out kind of like we all are. But one of the things I, I try to do is just enjoy, enjoy life, enjoy lake life. That's where I grew up. I grew up on the water. You know, my parents were teachers, so we had summers off three months out of the year. We were on the water. Uh, the, the local public lake was seven miles from my house. So even, you know, spring, fall, we were on the water every weekend, every day after school. And but you didn't always live on the private lake. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying like the public piece of water where I started was a, you know, Lake Orville. Sure. I heard of Lake Orville. So out of Lake Orville, the water's really cold, comes out of the bottom of the dam. It's freezing, goes to the four, what's called the four bay, kind of warms up there. Then it goes into what's called the after bay and that warms further there before it goes in the rice fields for irrigation or goes back into the system. Warming is a relative term. It's freaking cold, dude. It's so cold. But that was great about NorCal, you know, Northern Cal is 110 degrees in the summer, 105 degrees, and the water's like 68. 
or 70. Well, you go down to Florida and the water's soup. Exactly. The water's soup. It's, it's swampy. It's, it's tough. Your hands fall apart. But yeah, so the point is I grew up on a public lake and that is, that's where my heart's always been. You know, I got into competition skiing because my older brother, Matt, who's, you know, he's won some, some big dog events and he used to ski pro kind of right when I was skiing pro. Um, he started competition skiing at age 13. I was four. My parents up till that point were all recreational. It was all recreational. My dad built the first boat ever was a flat bottom boat he built. He bought a kit online or uh, plans online, built this boat out of wood, put an outboard on it and got our family into water sports. And so my, my heritage and my history is, is the public. Was your dad like a, was your dad like a water sports enthusiast, a water ski enthusiast at the time or anything like that? Or is it just, just so happened that he saw somebody with a ski, his, uh, I think his cousin, uh, had a water ski skied for the first time on the Sacramento river. And he was like, Holy this is cool. Like you can ski on top of water. So that was when he got hooked. And then he went and bought the, the plans, built the boat, got our family into that was in like the sixties when he was 24, maybe 25. And that was, that was the hook. And then my parents got the, the camper, the, you know, the, the truck got the 72 mastercraft, got into competition skiing, did the whole thing, skied professionally. Um, actually about five miles that way, I'm pointing to the right, uh, north. I skied my second pro event ever in, um, Emma Long Metropolitan Park. Right here on Lake Austin. On Lake Austin, where we were filming today. Insane. And, uh, I was 17, 1996. It was a fun time. Really fun time. That was when skiing was on ESPN, Outdoor Life, all that stuff. And over the 20 years that I was involved, I saw it decline. I saw Toad Water Sports decline as a whole. Wakeboarding obviously came online, but I lived through the pro water ski tour and then it turned into the pro water ski and wakeboard tour when parks was coming coming into his own and and darren and you know byerly all those guys and then it became the pro wakeboard and water ski tour if i'm not mistaken and then finally it just became the pro wakeboard tour the pro, i think it was pro tour for a minute i don't know pro yeah, well, tour for a minute there oh it was yeah yeah so. but point point is like we just kind of got pushed into the shadows as and, skiers as skiers yeah and and there was all kinds of mistakes made. And what's rad as a sidebar is I feel like I'm friends with a lot of those guys. You know, Byerly and I work boat shows together, hang out, talk about the old days. Rathy, Rathy's awesome. Like he's doing really cool stuff. He's got a passion for filmmaking. So I've come to realize that everybody we're all the same absolutely man and 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 i've always been about it it's like i don't really care what anybody does and and people who listen to this podcast they know i say it all the time you want a wakeboard you want a kneeboard you want a shoe ski you want a barefoot you want a tube i don't really care to me it's just getting out of the water having fun uh building those relationships with friends and of course like for you for me this was not something that we did on our, our own this is something that we get to share these memories with our parents you know there was mom and dad who had me out in the boat every single weekend that was possible growing up you know yeah uh, and i would say with few exceptions i think toad water sports is a definitely a family and and friend sport oriented sport and it's great time on the on the water it's great time with friends because you're in a i don't know five by ten you're in 50 square foot boat you can't move you can't you can't really go anywhere unless you jump in the water you got to come back sometime so you're forced to be tight, intimate, close to a lot of people and you learn who you are and you learn how to be and you learn how to care about other people just 
by being on the boat? Not trying to knock it, but like in the traditional side versus like where I grew up in the um, show ski side, like we loaded our boat up with people. And even if you were burning turns on a slalom ski, it just it just didn't matter. Well, yeah. Uh, So that's a great point, dude. And that's kind of it's again, this compartmental compartmentalization of our sport. And I, I think one of the key players in that that movement from being a family community based sport to being more like individual based if you will is has been the private water ski lake the evolution of private water ski lakes which has also helped um evolve uh traditional three event water skiing i think without private lakes you wouldn't be seeing the high scores in trick skiing you wouldn't be seeing these long jumps and 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 to me like the most traditional and, and honestly like the most important aspect of water skiing is slalom skiing and and the 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 short line length i mean I announced a contest uh, two years ago in Alabama where 39 people ran 39 off, 38 of them were men. I I mean, I I recall within the last 15 years that if you could even get through 39. That was a big deal. It was a humongous deal. Yeah. The sport has evolved tremendously. And I, I would love to get into the details of that because I could nerd out all day like you said you still think I've got that nerd side that that techie side which I do but here's the thing like to your point yeah the sport has at a a level of performance the sport has has improved immensely because we have perfect lakes wind protection glass water no rollback off the shores the boats are getting better but here's the problem is that growing the sport or is that just taking the sport and crystallizing what we already have and just making the performances better but not actually growing the sport or doing anything positive to to spread this this love throughout the world what do you see what do you think needs to happen so i can nerd out i can talk technical stuff i can't tell you why you're not skiing as good as you 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 should be skiing because your butt's back your center of gravity is too far behind the force vector from the boat through the handle and your arms and your shoulders through your feet it's all messed up you're riding the tail of the ski you're pushing on your legs, your head dipping your head. I can tell you all that stuff, but what's that doing? That's not growing the sport. That's helping people who are already in the sport. And I love doing that. I love coaching because I see immediate results or usually immediate results. And I can help people go from, you know, good to great or, you know, okay to better. Sure. But I made the transition a couple of years ago to tell these stories, Flowpoint TV, try to reach out to the 90% of people who are supporting the industry, who are weekend wallies, recos, who just love to be on the boat. They do a bit of surfing, they do some wake skating, they tube with their kids, and they also slalom ski. Okay, so that, I would love to do all of it, but the sport's too small for me to talk tech, technical all the time because people would get tired of that. It's just big enough. When did you realize that? Because I do know that when I started um, recognizing who you were, it was at a time where the likes of yourself and Terry Winter, um, if I if I can remember right, and maybe like Chris Rossi also, yep. um, where you guys came in and you and you basically said, "I'm." You, you guys basically came in and you took the old style of of slalom skiing. You took these old techniques, and you're like, "No, that's that's it's not. All, it's, it's not." All, exactly- Here's here's how the sport was just and this is something that may or may not exist in the world of wake and you can tell me Because maybe it's a little too young But what was happening in water skiing for decades 
was probably similar to a lot of other sports. You had people who were looked at as coaches, right? Like good coaches. And they were saying, hey, Chris Lapointe is putting his palm up around one, three, and five turns. So try that. It's going to do this. They're making conjectures or guesses about why the best skiers in the world, Bob Lapointe, Chris Lapointe, Jeff Rogers, Andy Mapple, they're, they're trying to copy, cut and paste their style, okay? Style in quotes, quotes quotation marks. And say, Dano, this is how you should do it because Andy Mapple does it this way. But what everybody was missing was nobody was dissecting and deconstructing what the hell was actually happening at the fundamental physical level. What are the mechanics? If you could equate everybody into a ball where your, where your mass is centered, right? So if you're floating in space and I push you right where that ball is, you would not spin. If I push you above that ball or below that ball, you would start spinning. That's what your center of mass is, okay? So nobody was looking at what's the center of mass, where is it at, what's it doing, and where's the load from the boat. And so what Mike Siderhout, who's, you know, many-time world champion, did is he, for free, came down from Redding, California, Shasta Lake, and started coaching Terry Winter and I. And that changed our lives. Mike coached Wade Cox. He coached Drew Ross. He was coaching some of the older guys. But... None of them, I, I, not maybe I'm over, overstepping the boundaries, but none of them really embraced the crazy shit Mike was saying. And so Terry and I, we we're five nine. We're the shortest guys out there. We're just trying to break onto the pro tour. We ski it, but we're not really contenders. We're like, okay, well, listen, to this dude kind of makes sense. And Mike literally changed the way we talked about slalom skiing. And I think it spilled into trick and jump, at least jump. But point is, up until 20 years ago. Nobody was talking about this stuff. Literally, nobody was talking about the physics of skiing. And that's what we did. And I, I feel like uh, it got misconstrued. Ten years later, we put a video out, Mike and Terry and I. And there's, you know, not, not going to lie, like, there were some hard feelings because my, Mike and Terry and I had different opinions of what should be in this instructional. Because we're the guys skiing it. But Mike had his theories. And his theories didn't match up with what we were doing on the water. Right. So because he helped you guys get there, he helped right? us get there, but he was continuing to evolve it. And we're like, no, it doesn't need to evolve. This is simple. This is the right way. And, uh, long story short, that kind of maybe was a downfall for West coast slalom. We called it, or this idea of the simplest, most efficient way to ski. And I think the, the conversation starting again now with Nate Smith, Nate's the Michael Jordan of water skiing. He's literally the best skier there's ever been. And he makes it look so easy. And he's ironically doing almost everything that we talked about 20 years ago. And I don't know if he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows intuitively, but most people in the sport don't understand it. And that's what we tried to, that's the question we tried to answer is what's happening on the water. I'm still learning, but I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on it. I don't think that you have any problem. I don't think you have any problem promoting water skiing of all aspects, whether it be professional, amateur, collegiate. I don't think you care if it's trick skiing, slalom skiing, or just enthusiast. And if you had the right opportunity, I think you'd put a wakeboard video together. I would love to. Obviously, it would probably be pretty rough, pretty grufty at first. But I actually uh, talked to Rathy. And he and I have been talking. He's got a passion for filmmaking. He's done some unbelievable stuff. And, of course, like I like his style. I like how he rides. It'd be fun to tell a story and go on an adventure or something. So we're, we've talked about stuff like that. And you're right. I, again, at the end of the day, it's, it's all under one umbrella, like you said, and that's 
towed water sports and getting, we're all doing the same thing and i'm gonna say it again getting butts and seats of those boats yep. new butts and seats of those boats and new feet and boots and that's it so but i gotta ask you dude you went from being a guy who was very competitive you do have some accolades and of course um i'm not this isn't the flow point podcast so like i don't we don't need to talk about like all of your credentials but you have won some major events and you've competed on the biggest platforms from the Masters, the Junior Masters, Nationals, Worlds, U.S. Open, and just about everything else. But talk a little bit about the transition from you. Because honestly, Mark, as I look at you and I know that you're still in great shape and you could still, if you put the effort into training those two or three or four sets a day, you could probably get right up there and find yourself in a, another final at the Masters. That. Honestly, dude, I, I feel every every part of my body believes what you just said, except for this one little spot in my lower back. And it's weird to say because you know I'm 38. I'm not spring chick anymore, but my body feels good, except for my low back. Okay, so, so I, I hate to go off on another like like uh, offshoot of this, yeah. but I, I've always looked at like slalom skiing as like a like the skiers are like a fine wine. I looked at Andy Mapple, and even before his passing, you know, if he, I, I feel like if he wouldn't have, have dropped down to that 34 mile an hour, he maybe he wasn't gonna take out Nate Smith anymore. But Andy could have still made finals as well. Agreed. He, Andy was a legend, and he did that. He went and skied Moomba Masters down in Australia in the Yarra River downtown melbourne and he almost made the finals and this is like five or six years after he retired exactly at 36 miles an hour on probably the some of the gnarliest water rolliest water we have so i agree man and and i I don't put myself in andy's category at all i've won a u.s open i won a moomba masters you know junior masters i've had some titles but i'm not i wasn't by any means the guy who people were looking at saying oh, shit, let's see what MB does today. It was like, oh, wow, MB skied good. You know, he's on the podium. So do you do you still push the style of skiing that, that you were trying to grow? The, or do the you, technical aspect of skiing? Well, no, just like that West Coast, like the West Coast style of skiing. Like You see what you're doing there? You yeah. keep calling it style, but I'm trying to I'm trying to make you realize it's not style. Because style style is, is, is different than mechanics what remind me again what it was called the west coast it was west coast slalom but that was a really bad term too point is i see yes i still i still push the, the the proper mechanics of skiing because i feel like number one it's going to get you the best score whether you're a wakeboarder slalom skier jumper if you have more perfect mechanics you're going to be better but um like i said i can only touch so many people and change so many lives that way and it's it's incremental whereas if i make a new episode that gets shared and gets, you know, 300 shares and 50,000 hits on, on Facebook in a week, that's got to be more impactful, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. You're probably putting more butts in seats and more feet in boots. I don't know if it's translating into that, but I'm hoping. Yep. I'm hoping. Absolutely. Because one thing I, I don't get to do with episodes, and I've never really talked much about it, is I don't get to show what, what I want to show. Because I want to show, like, slalom porn like sick slalom turns and like 39 and a half off, 41 off, but, or like a full jump or a full trick pass. I want to show all that, but I've tried to tailor my editing style. So if you're an epilepsy, if you have epilepsy, you probably don't want to watch because it's pretty quick, but I try to do that so that people who aren't 
users who aren't skiers, boarders, riders will get hooked in the first 10 or 20 or 30 seconds and continually find something new to watch and then end up five minutes later like, oh my God, that was great. I want to share that with my friends. Absolutely. No, and, and I got to give you credit because I think that's one of the things that makes uh, Flowpoint TV uh, so, so cool, so special and so different that I don't think it really matters if you're a skier, if you're a wakeboarder, or let's just go outside of the box and let's just say uh, you're a horse rider. I don't really care what you do. I think that um, I think the stuff that you're putting out, your flow points are, are translating to everybody. And I think that's what's important. And once again, that's what's going to gain exposure. That's what's going to grow the sport. With that being said, I kind of want to get back to where we were a little bit ago and find out um, about the uh, transition from from serious competitive water skier to um this media guy inside of water skiing you are especially in traditional water skiing i'm sure that you are the guy that pretty much everybody probably calls first i don't know if if everybody hires you because i don't know what your prices or whatever is to do whatever it is it is but i know that your videos are definitely being very respected by everyone. So talk a little bit about that transition from 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 the competitive side of things and what it was like to kind of let go of all of that and move to where you're at now. Well, first, dude, thank you cuz I know like I don't do it for those accolades, but it feels good to have somebody like you just say that because it it keeps me hungry and it keeps me pushing. But I haven't given up the competitive drive. To be honest, I've just transitioned it into this media arts piece, right? Hey, we talked about it the other day. You have this badass podcast where you bring on all kinds of interesting people. You ask good questions. You're, uh, uh, you care. It's obvious you care about the sport, total water sports. You probably care more than I do somehow. And that makes me like, oh, my God, look at what Dano's doing. Okay, I got to step up my game. So, you see, we all are in this dance together, and if it wasn't for you, I don't know if I'd be doing what I'm doing. And I think it just, that's how the circle gains steam and momentum. So, I appreciate that. But, um, I mean, honestly, the transition started uh, more out of, like, necessity because I hurt my back right after the Worlds in 2011. Um, Came home from Russia, went to a tournament, Long story short, I, I showed up and I, I didn't warm up. We, I mean, I think everybody warms up now before they take a set. Almost everybody. Almost everybody. And I showed up to a tournament and I had two things going on. Number one, I was pissed that our sport sucked. And I say sucked because it takes forever, dude. W- wakeboard session in a tournament. Tournament ride, how long does that take? One pass down, one pass back, Marcus. How many riders... Per, per hour on average at a, at a wakeboard event? Well, just to give you an example, I usually go off the five-minute rule, five minutes a rider. So, okay. Uh, but realistically, that- let's just say, you know, you got Harley Clifford, you know, he's not going to fall. You got Corey Tunison. I mean, I don't know if you know these guys or not, yeah. but, you know, these guys aren't falling. So, you know, you, we can get through, you know, we can get through. 12? More. 15 an hour? More than that, but yes. Okay, so see, that right there is the problem. Water skiers, it's like, seven seven eight nine skiers an hour maybe i might be making that up but that's what i remember from when i used to do that sport competition skiing and so i came home from russia and i'm like man the hell's wrong with our sport it takes forever this sucks we got to change this sport we've got to speed things up so on the drive to this tournament 
one morning, hour and 45 minutes, I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm just going to start at 38 off. A couple years before, we had a tournament where Todd Richardson put on a cool water ski mag event. And one morning, we all went out at 39 and a half off, which if you're not a wakeboarder, that's... If you're not a water skier. Sorry, if you're not a water skier. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not a water skier, then 39 and a half off is pretty short. It's like kind of the one of the tougher passes let me just let me to the listeners who are like actually listening here who are like wakeboarders 39 and a half off in the amount of time that it took skiers to get there consistently would almost be like a wakeboarder doing a double back mob off the wake okay I, i'll believe you i would yeah. have to say because i don't know because it's nearly impossible yeah i, I actually saw um darren do the first speedball I think it was at Masters, like 95. Yeah, you're dating yourself. Yeah, I think a little after 95, 96, but around that era. I saw, I saw um, what's the double tantrum? What's yeah, that temper called? tantrum. Temper tantrum. I saw Parks do the first one off a of double up there at Masters. We're going to steer off here real fast. Sorry. One, I know, it just so happens, but yeah. what was your thoughts about watching Parks go off the ski ramp the first time at Masters? <laughs> did it make dude. you, did it fire you up? Did, you, did it no, ruin dude. your night? I was I was freaking fist pumping. I, I was at Parks' first ever wakeboard, pro wakeboard stop. Shreveport, Louisiana. 97, how, what year was Parks born? I think he was like 14 at this particular pro stop. 14 year old kid. Well, I think he won X Games in 94 or 95, so it was probably right around that area. All right, maybe it was, yeah. I mean, so I, I've known Parks since then, you know, just in passing. Uh, seems like a great guy. We, we've hung out a little bit. But when I, yeah, when he goes off the ramp at Masters, obviously that's like a middle finger to the stuffy old guardness of our three event slalom ski or water ski sport. I don't think, I, I, you're all right. And now that I think about it, like, when I watched it happen on ESPN, to me, it was an amazing closing to the show, and it probably helped the ratings, ratings on that show. Yeah. But I asked you, how fiery did that make you on your insides, okay? No. And you said it didn't. You were stoked. But <laughs> what about the people around? How mad were people at Parks at that I, one? Because, you, know, he, he, you know, he got disqualified the year after or something. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and, again, I don't need to get into it. I just think that highlights some of the shortcomings of a sport that is resistant to evolution. Just plain and simple. If you're not going to evolve, it's freaking 2017, dude. Look at the world's, there's a lot going on in the world. So if we're not evolving and trying to improve, or, you know, we may fail. We may do something that doesn't improve the sport. But if we're not trying to evolve, we're going backwards, literally speaking, relative to the rest of the world. So that's just highlighted that, I think. And okay. that, was, that was years ago, decades ago. 20. And it's, we're still, you know, more or less, we're, we're getting better. Toad Water Sports, three event skiings maybe coming around. But what I think is so cool about it, though, is they're still talking. We're still talking about it. They're still talking about it. You go to the, I go to the Masters. I've announced it 13 or 14 years in a row now. And every year I get the one skier who finds out that I'm actually a skier who didn't know this before come and they they're like oh it's great that you're actually a skier and you announce wakeboarding but that time parks bonifay hit the ramp that was just yeah yeah dude it's like a it's like this crown jewel that just sits out there and it never fades classic they'll never forget no man what is what is life without those moments right and what is life without people like parks to just be brilliant in that moment and do something that we're going to remember for forever. 
It's rad. Marcus, I want to give you like an opportunity to continue talking a little bit about your um, oh yeah your stuff, Flowpoint TV, and of course you also you're. It's awesome. For the longest time, I boasted that I was the only audio podcast <laughs> in Toad Water Sports, and now the only thing that I can boast is that I am the only audio podcast covering the entire broad spectrum of Toad Water true. Sports. So, Very true. Uh, talk talk about you're you're telling me a little bit about that transition. Yeah. So so you know, long story short, the sport in my mind w- was taking too long per skier. Events were all day, right? So I went to this tournament. I was like, I'm going to start a 38 off, which is pretty short. And I happened to get to the tournament, and Terry Winter is on the dock. He's up right now, and that means I'm up next. I'm like, oh, crap, dude. I'm, I got to, like, get ready. So I didn't do my normal, like, 20-minute warm-up. I didn't stretch. I didn't do anything. I got out of the truck, the van, went straight to put my ski on, went straight off the dock at 38 off, no warm-up passes, and at 41 off, I folded like a tent, like like a like a cheap lawn chair at one ball, and that was the last time I've ever skied seriously, because that I blew my back out and that that was it. And so don't you do you uh, and and I know and I hate I feel so bad that I keep uh, digressing off of that, but like don't you think it would make it more exciting if the pro men in slalom don't you think it would put more eyes on the sport maybe because the contest would go a little quicker if the pro men these elite skiers had to start at 38 off like these are elite skiers and that's what sets you apart from everybody else that's that's how it should be tournaments should be especially at the pro level especially if there's going to be a webcast tournaments should be warm-up passes maybe two warm-up passes a couple hours before or four warm-up passes you get to go out and do whatever you want all you know 20 guys or if it's a final all eight guys before the cameras are there before, before the cameras the before the people in. are there and then they go do the little starbucks thing or whatever and the crowd rolls in cameras turn on lights if it's nighttime and then they come off the dock at 38 or if the site's great even 39 and a half off and we just see see what's what and who's who and that's how it should be and you get it done you know i went to uh i got some friends who are snow ski racers u.s ski team and I went to Kitzbühel, which is like the Hanukkah, which is like the, the Super Bowl of downhill ski racing. I went there two years ago. And it was gnarly, dude. These people, these, these guys are putting their life on the line. But what struck me was they had like 30, they cut the race to 30 because so many people were getting hurt. It was that gnarly that year. They had to stop the race after 30 guys went and they still had 30 left. But what, what, what was crazy was it only took like 25 minutes or 30 minutes for those 30 guys to ski. I was like, man, that's that's unbelievable. What is wrong with our sport if we can't get close to that? So point is, we got to speed things up for sure. But um, but what, like, it, it does get exciting, though. There are some exciting moments in slalom. And, and yeah, but we can do better. The head-to-heads are exciting. And that those can start at those shorter line lengths. When, when you know, traditionally... You have a six-man final in slalom, and one guy goes, and then the next guy has to beat that guy, and the next guy has to beat that you, guy. You know, I, I like the head-to-heads, personally. You know what the best format is? And we, we half-assed did it at Boardstock. I don't know if you know, I put on a pro water ski event called Last Man Standing at Boardstock two years in a row. Did no, I didn't know, know, but this must have been around 98, 99, 2000. I don't know. I went to, the first Boardstock I went to was 97 at Shasta Lake. And you're a skier. I'm a skier. So what are you doing at Boardstock? Why the hell wouldn't you want to go to Boardstock, dude? 
it's 97. It's when you're th- it's when you just accused me of being bitter about wakeboarders taking over my sport. Well, but and you, I still went to a freaking board stock. But I'm not wearing the shirt, but a lot of your peers are wearing t-shirts that say if it was easy, they'd call it wakeboarding at this time yeah, too. And, and is that helping anybody? No, no obviously that's not helping not. anybody. Exactly. But you're right. But yeah, I went to board stock in 97. That was a rad time. Obviously houseboats linked up people out there putting on a show. Parks was like 12, just freaking doing body shots or whatever he was doing. And, uh, 10 years later, nine years later in 2006, I hooked up with some guys and, uh, you know, said, hey, let's do this. And they happened to be running the show. Actually, um, Rob Stimmel uh, got me hooked in and helped me put on a pro slalom event. And we called it the last man standing because the format was such that we would have one guy go down and another guy go down. Those two boats would come back. And it would be basically we start at 35 off, okay, whatever it was. Everybody would run 35 off that way, and you'd be dropped at a dock at the far end. The boats would come back, get more skiers. So everybody was running 35 off at the same time. And then they'd wait at the dock, trash talk, do the same lineup back, 38 off. Some people wouldn't make it. For a crowd who doesn't know anything about slalom skiing, they would know that at 39 and a half off, there's only three guys left. It's like high jump. So you can see who the best guys are right there. You don't have to keep track of, oh, three skiers ago, Will Asher ran 341 off, so he's still in the lead. It's not like that. This is very simple, very visual, very easy to understand. Even a caveman can. And that was called, that's last man standing. That's what we did. But the best way to do that would be if you had three or four boats. You could do this with wakeboarding. You could do this with jump. You could do this with slalom. Three or four boats on a lake where they're, two lakes where they're connected at each end. And you basically just cycle everybody through. And what is nice about that is the way that boat wakes dissipate, they dissipate in a V pattern. We all know that. The reason that slalom skiers can't come back right away is because they're dissipating closest to you last. So you have to wait until they all dissipate before you can come back. So if you had, if you could come right behind with the next skier and the next skier and the next skier, you could do literally a skier every 25 seconds. And it would be nonstop action and the event would be done in... 30 minutes. We're going to stop right there, everyone, so I can make sure that you have all maximized your savings this year. Well, and next. You're asking yourself, Dano, how the heck can I do that? My response is that you should save 30% off whenever you get new sunglasses and portable charging devices. I can help with my promo code MANO30 at both woodrose.com and gopuck.com. You'll save across the board 30% off. Check out the raddest styles of eyewear made from sustainable products and the longest lasting, most durable chargers offering consistent portable power. Woodrose.com, gopuck.com. Promo code MANO30 gets you 30% off at checkout. Now let's get back to Marcus Brown right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Have you thought about organizing any more contests at all? Not really because the transition happened. I hurt my back. I realized that I'm going to have to figure out something else to do while I heal up. Six years later, I still haven't healed, but I figured out that my engineering degree came in handy. I went to work at Mastercraft, helped design the new Pro Star. That was a really, really fun, fulfilling project to be a part of. Got to work with a really good engineering team at Mastercraft. Those guys are talented as hell. And then uh, also figured out that nobody was telling water ski stories. So I learned how to 
make films just kind of self-taught um but to back up my whole evolution i think started in 2005 when i won the moomba masters that was my first big win i went to melbourne yarra river and i'd never been and nobody had ever won a moomba masters their first time there just because it's so freaking gnarly dude it's so up and down currents dead cows rollers and like dead cows down the river one, one time that's 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 the urban urban legend yeah yeah so anyway i won but as soon as i won i got i was drying off people were high-fiving whatever fist bumps and i'm like kind of looking around you know and when you don't can't hear all of a sudden you just kind of like zone out and you just kind of look around and you're you're like in a dream state and i was thinking the whole time is this all that there is when you win it felt like it felt normal. It felt like nothing. It was absolute, almost total letdown. That winning felt like losing to me. And so from that moment on, I was like, okay, well, there's only going to be a few winners in any sport in all of life. So 99.99999% of us aren't going to be winners ever. So if winning is all there is, then life's going to suck for pretty much the whole world. And it started to shift in my psyche that maybe it's there's more than just trying to be the best in the world at something and uh i think that's when the seed was planted that to really like make an impact in the sport that i love i'm gonna have to focus on things other than just trying to be the best so do you think it would help the sport if if more skiers kind of took over that obviously it would help the sport but yeah. I mean, do you foresee other skiers ever kind of taking that that same now i mean you've proved it you've proved that it that it it, it works you know you you're you're outside of just being a slalom athlete you're viable look at you we're here in texas being paid we're water skiers i announce wakeboarding events and we're here at a barefoot contest i know it's crazy right why is it you and why are you and me here when there's other people who, you know, and I'm and I don't know what level of intelligence you have school wise, but guys who are probably smarter than me and you guys who are probably more talented at skiing, you know, than me and you. Well, I, I agree. I think ultimately it comes down to a couple things. Number one, persistence, right? If you're not persistent in life. You got to have vision. You got to have passion. But if you're not persistent, you know, and follow through, nothing that you really ever want or think you want is going to happen. Or you're never going to get closer on the journey to where you think you need to go. But also, there's people out there doing cool stuff. Even in our sport, our sports, they're not doing it in the same ways that we are, but they're making impacts. But I think you and I have not transcended but we have like we just like you said you cross boundaries you're a show skier you kneeboard you trick ski you slalom you wakeboard you barefoot i you wake bare, skate you wake, I skate. wake you surf have, you have bare, barefoot events feet on fire you 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 are you have your hands in a lot of things and i just think in 2017 that's kind of how you got to be you got you got to be multi multi or at least try to be multi-talented so I think that's part of it. 
All right, man, we're, we're chatting for, uh, for quite a bit here, but I do want to find out in all of your travels, in all of your um, adventures, in all of your videos, in all of your work, uh, is there like any, any um, travels or trips or anywhere that kind of stand out to you? Like any like of some of your like most memorable, maybe uh, not necessarily like winning a contest or something like that, but, but you know, obviously it sounds like Moomba Masters back in, in 2006 was, was life changing for you, but, but maybe like a trip that it wasn't necessarily the win or something that changed your mind or something it's just a trip that stands out or, or a travel or a place that you've been to that's i don't know a good, a, like a good story or something you can kind of touch on i mean it's it's been a long couple days so you and i aren't as sharp as we should be uh probably should have done it on day one <laughs> yeah i probably should have done this on day one but but so I'm, i can't i'm kind of drawing some blanks but one thing that does come to mind a couple things uh, with Flow Point, I wanted to tell stories about people living life at the Flow Point, which is kind of was one of my taglines. But I also wanted to tell stories about people seeking the Flow Point through adventure, because that's what my parents used to do as teachers. We'd go to, they'd take us to Baja, they'd take us to Canada with the boat and the camper and the truck. And so that's always been a part of me. And I've finally gotten back to some of those adventure type trips. So one of the coolest things one of the coolest trips i had was one of my first flow point trips which was to baja with glenn plake you know the snow skier with the mohawk of course he's a he bear used to footer. come to show ski contest yeah, he does he's show ski team nevada whatever he was trying to do and he's a barefooter he's a water skier he's a snowboard or snow you know, i never skier. actually got to see him water ski i just used to see him come out to the water ski contest with a with a hawk up well he can't get a wet see yeah my dreads he was influential on me Unlike his, his hawk, though, my dreads are with me all the time. I don't care. If they get wet, they're still dreads. If he gets his hawk wet, it's gone. It's gone. He's just a double-sided bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's awesome. Him and Kimberly are rad. So uh, I went down there, met up with him in Baja, which was a trip that was super nostalgic for me because that's where my parents used to go. I did that about three or four years ago for a Flow Point episode, and that was, that was just raw and real. Took the van skied on the freaking sea of cortez next to whales you know uh, humpback whales finback whales rather uh, dolphins just like you're in the wild dude like it's not a man-made ski lake this is not you know a public lake this is a freaking ocean the sea is that like the closest you can get to uh, you know I, I was listening to your podcast the other day and you were talking about how you wish you could like ride down mountains of water you know and yes and, but you know when you're skiing or snowboarding you're you're go uh, there i am i i ski i snowboarded on um garbage dump mountains yeah, in yeah you guys in the midwest that's all you had was uh, tra trash piles but i know <laughs> that you know up by where you're from you you're you're you could be skiing through a line and see a bear yeah, well, maybe not in the winter. Maybe he's hiring, he's sleeping over there, he's snoozing. But yeah, it's it's like why I said that, why I wished that I could ski down a mountain of water. Number one, because I think it'd freaking be a rad sensation. You know, the closest thing I've seen is guys like Cody Townsend, Mike Douglas, Chuck Patterson, who are all surfers and you know, snow skiers. Uh, they wake, they call it like wave skiing. And they've done different, a couple different edits in Hawaii. Uh, I think Jaws, Chuck Patterson's wave ski Jaws. And, you know, these guys are kind of heroes of mine. Not that I ever wanted to be just like them, but they're just doing legendary stuff. And that planted the seed, like, man, 
Look at what surfers do. They're riding the sun. Has there ever been a documentary called Riding the Sun? I think Riding the Sun would be a rad name for a documentary, by the way. Because the sun powers everything. The sun makes you what you are. You the sun, that now. I know. The sun powers the wind, the, the, the hydrologic cycle. The sun makes waves. These guys are in a solar-powered sport. Okay? And climbing to the top of a mountain and skiing down without a lift, that's a solar-powered sport. You're eating food that was powered by the sun, and you're turning that into energy, and you're climbing up to the top of a mountain, and you're getting to ski down. Water skiing? Where are we gonna, how are we going to do that? We can't. We got to burn dinosaurs. And that rips my soul out to say, but that's what we do. You we, could always ride the cable. Yeah. We could turn, we could ride, I could turn that into solar. But, uh, yeah. So my point is, um, that sense of adventure, I think could be compounded if we ever had the ability to just ski under the power of our own, our own body. But, um, but that was an epic trip. So that, yes, skiing in the Sea of Cortez, probably one of the closest things to, just that feeling of wilderness and that feeling of you're out there. Like it's, this is unbelievable experience really. And the other thing was a event that was, has totally nothing to do with that. It was, uh, called the, um, I don't know, militia skier versus skier or whatever. Back in 2010, we hung out with some snow skiers, Olympians, and we did a, a couple days on the snow at mammoth. And we did a couple days on the water down in Southern California. And we, we each did the other person's sports and, that was kind of eye opener for me because I looked up to some of these guys, some of these skiers, they're Olympians. They're, they're awesome. They're, they're badasses, but I got to hang out with them and they're just, they're chill. They're normal people. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, water skiing, we have just as many talented folks in this sport. We just got to figure out how to pull them out of the woodwork. And that's, that's something that comes to mind right now. Another cool trip that we got to do, week-long trip. I always find it so cool, you know, the way that, that you look up to those guys and, and you're so humble about it all, but the amount of people that that look up to you in that same fashion and when they get the most, you know, and, and probably those, those snow skiers are probably in the same place, you know, probably felt amazing getting the opera, the opportunity to, to get out there and ski with, you know, obviously one of the best water skiers and and I'm sure that they were influenced by what you were doing and uh, Dude, it probably pushed them as well. I appreciate that. And what's funny is just a month ago, we're out on Bullard's Bar, which is one of my favorite places to go to. It's uh, between, between my house and Tahoe. Mountain lake, beautiful lake, green water. It's rad. And I'm driving my boat and uh, all of a sudden this boat's like cutting me off. And I pull back and it's Stacy Cook. U.S. ski team member, Olympian, like three-time Olympian downhiller, and she's one of the one of the people I met at this thing, t you know, in 2010, and I hadn't seen her in like seven years, and she recognized me from like 200 yards away across the lake because of my dreads. I'm driving the boat, and she's like, "Hey, check it out, it's Marcus Brown." So we end up skiing the next morning on a course that we found on the lake, and it's stuff like that. That's why we love the sport. I know it's the same whether it's wake or ski or surf behind the boat and that's that's why we're doing this right here dude it doesn't matter if it's barefooting or what we're we're we're, in, we're making the most of each day because at the end of the day we all know we're going to die even though we don't think about it we know we're going to die we just don't know how many more days we have until that happens and it's those who seize the moment and really enjoy the journey that i think make the most of it absolutely man and we're going to close off with this your podcast is Flowpoint. 
uh, Flow Point Podcast. Flow Point Podcast. Flow Point TV, of course, is yours as well. Um, I listened to an episode that you did. It was interesting with Matteo Lazzari, who's uh, an Italian skier, who is also a um, uh, a mentalist. Is that what he is? A mentalist of some sort? Yeah, he's got his PhD in psychology, so he's like, you could call him a mentalist. He, he, he helps people dissect themselves and figure out how to how to improve their performance and i think a lot of people will hear you say flow point and just assume that flow point and flow in general is just the nice transition from buoy to buoy and just flowing out there on the water but um tell me what what flow is what flow point is to you yeah so in in uh Right before I hurt my back in 2011 at, in Russia, I hadn't been skiing that great for a couple of weeks. I went there, skied on this particular river just outside Moscow. Kind of a tough condition, place to ski. I'd skied there in World Cups before. And long story short, I went out and I skied well. I ended up fourth. But when I ran 39 and a half off, something happened. And this has happened a couple times before. This isn't the first time, but this is the one that's most most relevant in my mind right now. I, rem- I remember this. I skied the pass. I don't really remember skiing 39 and a half off. I get out the exit gates and I kind of throw the fist and I, I, I kind of woke up and I look back and I, I realized then what, what had happened. But I was, in that, I was in that flow state. I was in the state of flow. Okay. And, that, and we all know what that is. That's just where ultimately where everything else subsides and you are that moment you literally are that moment you're not a person you're not an athlete you're not a man you're not a woman you become that moment there's no thought you're basically one with the universe which is a crazy thing to say because we all think we're separate but you really are a part of the universe and that's that those moments are unbelievable we've all had them at one point or another in our lives and that just i think that's very compelling uh, I think that compels people to do what we do. We are always seeking those little flow state moments, those, those flow point moments. And that's why I call it the flow point. I also call it that because I want the flow point, flow point TV, or even the flow point podcast to be a place where all kinds of different disciplines can flow in and be discussed. I don't want flow point podcast to just be towed water sports. I would like to bring on snow skiers. I'd like to bring on motocross riders. I'd like to bring on, you know, Crossfitters. Crossfitters, exactly. Um, and that's the other reason for the, the name Flow Point. Place where everything's flowing. Very good, dude. All right, Marcus, do you have any upcoming projects that we can uh, look out for coming into 2018? Uh, for, for the rest of 2017, I'm working on a uh, Patagonia episode part two. If you haven't seen Patagonia part one, it's like five-minute sizzle reel. Kind of gives you a lay of land, what we did in Patagonia in February. Part two is, um, is going to be a story. So I'm working on that right now. Also, I, I went to the Collegiate Nationals two weeks ago. Epic, epic time. I feel like collegiate skiing is probably not only the, the coolest segment of our sport, but also the biggest potential for growth. I yeah. agree, and I announced Collegiate Wakeboard Nationals this oh, last year I'm sure as it was well. epic. So, it- so that episode will be coming out in February. I'll release that first at the uh, winter conference that they have in the Midwest every year. And then I'll put it up on the web after that. So mid-February, look for for that episode. That'll be the first one for 2018. Very good. All right. Uh, Let everybody know who hooks you up, your sponsors, and anybody you want to shoot a shout-out to. HO Skis has been with me for 10 years now. They've kept me going. I'm an athlete for them. I'm an engineer for them still. 
and they're the reason that Flowpoint TV exists, or even is a thing. Um, Masscraft Boats has been behind me for 10 plus years. Uh, they let me help design the boat. I was an athlete for them for a long time, and they keep me uh, decked out with a pro star. And um, yeah, man, my parents, because if it wasn't for them, I don't know if I'd be the person I am right now. Anybody, if anybody wants to ski with you, uh, how do they, how do they get yeah, in touch? Yeah, so I'm probably going to start doing lessons at my lake next year, uh, which is in Chico. It's about an hour and 15 minute drive from Sacramento airport. But you have to bring somebody that has never skied, right? Yeah. So one for one. So you got to bring a newbie if you want to come. And if you do that, it's a 50% discount. Sick. All right. Perfect. Dude, um, where they can find Flowpoint TV, your podcast, and your social media or anything to find you on the internet? Yeah, so uh, Flowpoint uh, online is just theflowpoint.com or flowpointtv.com. And uh, on Facebook, YouTube, it's Flowpoint. Uh, and then my handle on Instagram is Marcus underscore Brown underscore or Flowpoint TV as well. And uh, yeah, look me up, shoot me an email, ask me questions. I've been really bad at getting back to people, but I'm working on it. It's like I'm a recovering alcoholic, except I'm not. I'm just a recovering, trying to be better at returning the favor when people reach out. Emails. I appreciate. I, I love. I love getting those, and I gotta just start, you know, letting people know that because well, it's 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 where got it's gotta be reciprocal. Let me admit this too. I like. I just received a. I just received a, a direct message on Instagram from a fan that I met in. A fan that I met in Canada back in August who t came in and I called him out because he was wearing a suit and it was <laughs> a wakeboard contest. I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, Daniel, I'm a fan. And uh, then he listened to the episode that I did with PJ Marks that recently came out who's uh, got a little edgy on the episode yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it's tough to get back. But we're receiving them. I'm sure yep. you're getting them, you're reading them, and yep. it feels good, but yep. there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on, and uh, I eventually, I'll return emails after a couple of years, FYI. So if you've been hanging on for 18 months, just wait another six, and I'll get back to you. Or send another email. Or send another email. Exactly. Start. I'm starting fresh, so send me another one. All right, man. Hey, Dano, thank you, dude. Thanks for doing this. I Dude, I was going to close the show, bro. I'm sorry. You do <laughs> no, it. You do it. It's all it's, you. It's all good. Marcus, man, thank you so much. Yeah, I've wanted to do this for a long time. Uh, I had you on the Masters episode that I did. I, it was awesome. And uh, it was an honor to work with you out here on Lake Austin here at the, uh, the, the Dam to Dam 30th Annual Barefoot Endurance Race. It was, it was cool and it was different. That'll be coming out soon, by the way. That edit in the next week or two with our friends over there at footin.com so yep. make sure you guys listen to it marcus brown or make sure you guys check it out because that's going to be video not audio yep yep marcus brown i thank you very much again sir thank and, you Dano. and to you listeners please hang tight because we and by we i mean me will be right back with more right here on the golden light podcast
Performance Ski and Surf in Orlando, Florida is your one-stop shop for all towed water sports needs. As an industry leader for more than two decades, Performance Ski and Surf's pro staff will sweep you off your feet with loads of industry knowledge and the best customer service in the biz. Right now, you can order online from perfski.com and receive 10% off your entire purchase by using my promo code GOLDENMIKE, all capital letters. Whether you're looking for current or closeout gear, Performance Ski and Surf has it all, and right now with my promo code GOLDENMIKE, you just can't beat the deals. Performance Ski and Surf is just minutes from the Orlando International Airport or online at perfski.com. That's P-E-R-F-S-K-I.com. Lead Wake Bags are designed with wake surfers and wakeboarders in mind. Lead Wake Bags are designed perfectly to be stacked and placed in tight spaces. Custom designed Lead Wake Bags are easy to shift around in your boat and will help clean up any wake without having to fill excess water bags or move your friends around. You can buy Lead Wake in multiple sizes, but I recommend the 50 pounders and so do some of the biggest names in Wake, including Danny Harp and Sean Murray, just to name a couple. Lead Wake ships free anywhere inside the U.S. You can find out more and order online at leadwake.com. That's L-E-A-D-W-A-K-E.com. Leadwake. The Golden Mike Podcast is back with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano, presented by C-Deck Marine Products. Thank you to Marcus Brown. Everyone, be sure to subscribe to the Flow Point Podcast on iTunes and make sure you guys rate and review the show for Marcus. It'll help him out. It'll help Toad Water Sports out in general. And make sure you guys also go online and scope out Flow Point TV. He's got tons of seasons, tons of episodes. They're so well done, very professional, and I think you guys are going to like it. You're going to like it a lot. So get on there, uh, follow Marcus through social media, and follow the journey of one of Toad Water Sports' all-time great ambassadors. Thank you, Marcus. All right, no major events coming up as of now. Uh, possibly something on New Year's Day out in North Carolina or South Carolina. Not quite sure about that yet. What I do know is I will be back in Acapulco, Mexico, early February. Then the following week, I believe the second weekend in February, St. Louis Boat Show. Following weekend, we're going to be in Detroit, Michigan for the Detroit Boat Show with the crew at Step Up Productions, the All-Star Wakeboard Rail Jam. But if anybody listening to the show right now is interested in having me commentate, announce, do voiceover work, appear at your next event, maybe you want to advertise on the Golden Mike podcast, ask me any question, maybe you want me to do your voicemail message, email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. You can also message me through the Golden Mike podcast Facebook page. It's also the best way, the best place to get a hold of me when you want to purchase one of the official Golden Mike podcast dad hats, not just for dads. Of course, I'll hook you up with stickers and buttons with a purchase of each and every one of those. Don't forget, we've got the December holiday virtual swag toss happening right now on Facebook. Please remember to find and subscribe to the Golden Mike podcast on iTunes or the podcast app on Apple devices. Search the App Store for just about any podcast app on your Androids. Then search and find us there. 
Please rate, review the podcast, folks. I want to hear what you have to say. The Golden Mike Podcast archives are also all available on SoundCloud as well as at noiseofthenorth.com. On Twitter, you can follow me at the Dano T Mano and at the Golden underscore Mike. On Instagram, it's at Dano T Mano. And once again, the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook. Like it. Thanks again to Marcus Brown. And now a few shout outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow, Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, GoPuckFootin.com, WaterSkiing.com, Borden.com, C4 Belts, Rockstar Energy, Lead Wake, Conley, Ronix, O'Brien, Slingshot Wakeboards, Jenna Carruth on the web, and Rich Walsh on the audio. Don't forget to win some swag. The Golden Mike Podcast holiday virtual swag toss happening right now at the Golden Mike Podcast Facebook page. Get it. And that's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Dan Alamano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.